from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? It's the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And greetings this morning from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where the Pelicans begin their final road trip of the season tonight when they take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Glad you're with us here on Friday as we've got a lot of things to cover. There was Pelicans news yesterday on the injury front. As we learned last night on the Monty Williams radio show, Anthony Davis will be shut down for the rest of the season to take care of his ailing back. And Eric Gordon will undergo orthoscopic knee surgery on his left knee, and that will now eliminate him from possible playing time over the last four games. We may have some more news today that I can't touch upon at the moment, but there could be more news today before the Pelicans tip off tonight at 7 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Speaking of the Monty Williams radio show, we're going to play for you today uh, the segments in which we interviewed Coach Williams last night, a variety of topics, uh, player development, what these last four games mean, the injury to Anthony Davis, and a whole lot more. A little bit later, we'll put a wrap on our LSU Pro Day coverage and hear from Mickey Loomis, who made some comments on Wednesday in Baton Rouge. And we'll continue our NFL Draft preview series today as we check in with the ninth overall pick, the Buffalo Bills, and Chris Brown from buffalobills.com is our guest to discuss the Bills' options coming up in early May. So we've got a busy show for you here on this Friday from the road. We're going to start here in the first segment by playing the first segment of our interview with Monty Williams from last night's Monty Williams radio show. This is how it sounded last night with the head coach. Coach, before we really dig into what's been going on with the team this week, I did want to ask you about Ryan Anderson, who underwent surgery this week finally on the herniated disc in his neck. You and Ryan have a very special relationship, player, coach, and otherwise. Were you able to spend any time with Ryan before he kind of went off to L.A. to start this new process in his healing? Yeah, we talked in Utah before he took off. We just talked about the surgery and you know what it was going to take for him to get back to where he was and improve this summer. And he feels like he's never been more passionate about the game because it's been taken away from from him. And so we talked about that and our team and the things we got to do to get better. You don't realize how good he is until you don't have him. And so I just wanted to encourage him, you know, just told him we'll be praying for him. Uh, keep me updated on how you feel. And he sent me a few text messages just to give us an update. And he's just, he's a classy guy, goofy, but lovable and um, so important to our team, and we can't wait to get him back. If you think about how many more wins we could have just having him on the floor along with Drew, yeah, that's, you just don't know, but you know you'd have a, a ton more wins with those guys, and I can't wait to get him back. Turning our attention to the basketball floor, here of late, Coach, you've kind of made a case for Anthony Davis to be the most improved player this year. With his situation going on with his back spasms right now and, and whether he plays or not the rest of the way, has he made enough of a case or is this now, this back spasm situation, does that hurt that case a little bit? I don't think so because I don't think it has anything to do with 
his improvement or lack thereof. I mean, injuries are a part of the game. I don't know if you can name anybody else who's made the kind of leap in their game that Anthony's made, and that's what the award is about, I mean, improvement. Anthony went from being a number one pick who was showing signs of being a really good player to elite in a matter of months. And, you know, I talk to people around the league, or they people send me stuff. Some people have AD in the top five players in the league, some in the top three. And so name somebody who's done that. Right. It, it just it doesn't happen. I'm sure there are guys around the league who have improved vastly in their game, but I'm not sure that anybody's taken this type of leap from being a, a good player to going into being an all-star, all-NBA, all-defensive type player. I had somebody tell me that, well, he's a number one overall pick. He can't be most improved because he's a number one overall pick. How do you argue against that? Kwame Brown, Oluwa Candy. There's a number of <laughs> number one picks who did not do what AD's done. Right. Uh, Kyrie Irving was a number one pick. You know, so you could look at a, a lot of the a number of those guys and say, well, yeah, this guy was good. This guy was good. But then you can look at number one picks who were big, six ten and above, and they just don't get this good this quickly. It takes those guys four or five years to even establish themselves as a NBA player, let alone go from good to elite in a matter of months. And the funny part is it hasn't been a calendar year since he started working on his game. He took time off last summer for a little bit, got back at it around June. And from that time until now, this is what you got. So they can make that argument all they want. It, it, number one pick, gosh, Isaiah Thomas was what? The last pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. And you can make a case for him being most improved too. So just because he was the last pick in his draft doesn't mean he should get more credit for improvement. It is, you got to look at where they were when they started in the league and where they are now. And no one has taken the kind of jump that AD has taken. Good point. He's the kind of young man that will argue and lobby and, and everything else to make sure that he gets on the playing floor. He almost have to cut his arm off to keep him from playing. With his back spasms right now, and you've said this before, sometimes you've had to be the, the brains for these guys. Who's driving this right now? Are you, are you the brains for Davis in whether he plays or not? Or has he kind of accepted the fact that maybe, maybe this is some, a time to rest? A bit of both, but more, more us, myself, Mickey Dell and the doctors, more so the doctors. Once I got the information that we needed to rest him, it was it stung for me because mm -hmm. I, I I can't I don't like going to to battle without my guy, you know. But when I think about him as a player, someone's child, somebody's future husband and father, I tend to look at them a bit differently, and the wins and losses don't mean as much. Now that doesn't help me. But I, I just feel like if we continue to do the right thing for these guys and be the brains for them, it's going to pay dividends for us down the line. And once you get the information, it's like anything else, it, it becomes power. And you, then you can make better decisions. And so once Dr. Scott told me the situation, it was like, forget about it. Mm -hmm. It's over. He's got to sit. Yeah. So on this Thursday, do you want to keep it as a a game-by-game -game basis, or do you, are, is it now evident that it needs to stop for the season? We have already resigned to the fact that he just prob he probably won't play anymore this year, and it helps our team. Now, from a win-loss situation, it doesn't help us. I mean, we need him to win games, but somebody else is going to get a chance to step up, and the way that, that we look at things in the NBA, yeah, we'd like to have him out there playing against OKC and Houston, but not to his detriment. And so it's going to help us. He's going to get rest. He'll be ready to, to go this summer and play on the USA team. That's going to be a phenomenal experience for both of us.
and uh, he'll be he'll have this carrot in front of him because the one thing that he hasn't been able to do is play in April, and that burns him. He hadn't played in Chicago, and he hasn't played in April. Mm -hmm. And those are things that the elite guys, the great guys look at. They don't like having stuff that they haven't done. And you best believe I'm going to be rubbing it in all summer. You haven't played in Chicago. You haven't played in April. Not at a high level. You pretty much suck in April. He's not going to like that. And those are the things that that's where my, my idiotness helps me <laughs> as a coach because I, I know how to push buttons to get people to do what they have to do to get better. All right, so we're into it. We'll have more from Coach Williams in just a moment. Still to come, Chris Brown from buffalobills.com and Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. More with Coach in just a moment. As one Entergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand? That's the power of people. Entergy. Don't miss your last chance to see the Pelicans at the Smoothie King Center during the final two home games of the season. Come watch MVP candidate Kevin Durant and the Oklahoma City Thunder on Monday, April 14th. We wrap up the season on Wednesday, April 16th with a Southwest Division showdown against the Houston Rockets in our fantastic fan alley with a team poster giveaway. Tickets are still available for as low as $11. So call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. This is Pelicans guard Eric Gordon, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Pelicans and Thunder here from Oklahoma City later tonight. Here now is more of our interview with Pelicans head coach Monty Williams from last night's Monty Williams radio show. Coach, in our last segment, we talked about guys stepping up, and I don't necessarily want to ask you specifically about one guy or the other. I want you to steer this a little bit. Let me ask you this way. Has there been anybody here of late that's gotten an opportunity that's changed your opinion of them in these last two weeks? Um, Darius. Darius was a guy before the Clipper game and even before that where I wasn't quite sure he was going to be able to get another invite to a camp. And the way he's played in certain situations starting to change that for me. I just, I'm seeing things in his game that I hadn't seen or forgot about the way he handled the ball against the Clippers. I knew he could knock down shots, but his ability to, to make plays off the dribble and defend quicker guys, you just forget about it when you don't see him on the floor. And so he has changed me up a little bit. And Jeff Withy is a guy that we just we feel really strong about um, going forward. His summer is going to be so important for him, getting stronger, obviously playing more, taking on a bigger role this summer in summer league. And th those are the guys that make me feel bad when I go home because I, I, I have to say things when I coach them and get on them, but they're such good guys that you, you feel like a heel after you <laughs> wear them out for about 10 seconds and you, you're like, gosh, man, these are the best kids on our team or, or two of them. But those two guys have really surprised me down the stretch here, the way they've played and their poise and their character and their production on the floor. Last Friday night at Salt Lake City, you drew up a play and got Darius a great look late in that game. I'm curious, did you draw it up that way and ask Darius to do that 
because that was the best look for the team at the time? Or was it you wanted to see what he, he would do with that situation? How much was it? My mindset during that time is get the best shot available, try to get a you know, what we needed was a three. Amo had already knocked down a few shots. So this is the way coaches think. You know they're not going to leave Amo. So he's a bit of a decoy. I know that Tyree can get to the basket, and your natural instinct is to just help when you see a guy about to get a layup. And so we put Darius in a spot where he could knock down a shot thinking that his guy was going to leave him, knowing that Amos' guy wasn't going to leave and B-Rob's guy was going to stay with him. And mm-hmm. I didn't draw it up to, you know, say, well, I wonder what Darius would do in this situation. I, I drew it up thinking that, you know, this is a shot that could help us tie this game up. If you remember, we had a situation in Dallas this year where, you know, we came back and um, had a chance to tie it up down the stretch and, Darius was the guy hitting those shots. I drew up an end-of-game play for him, and it was a play for him to slip out of a screen and just knock down the three, and he shot it with confidence, and that just stuck with me. I had coaches who told me back in the day, you know, the one thing they liked about my game was I wasn't afraid to take big shots. And so I, I kind of know what that looks like, the guys who take the same shot. I always said that about David West when he was here. His fourth quarter shot looked like his first. It never changed. And Darius can be one of those guys. And he was wide open. I didn't think he'd be that wide open. And that's the thing that our fans and the public don't realize. End of game plays, they are like a shot in the dark. I mean, I get a lot of credit for ATOs and end-of-game plays, but, I mean, I talk to coaches all the time, man. They, most of us are just – we're trying to run a play, but the reality is those plays are, you know, high-risk, high-reward type situations. So when you draw it up, you're, you're praying for the best. And in that situation, it, it worked out. Our last game against Phoenix, you know, we draw up the same type of plays. Mm-hmm. And I try to draw something up for Amo. He's open for a half a second, and then it closed up like a toll bridge. Right. And he just couldn't get a, a decent look. So Darius is a guy that's just not afraid to take shots, and we like that. Yep, and you pointed that out after the game that night. Let me ask you this. With a week to go, you're not playing for the playoffs, unfortunately. What's the practice floor like for you and your team at this point? If our fans knew how beat up some of our guys are, they would understand this a bit better but we we've tried to manage our practices just because we've had so many injuries and we got to keep guys healthy going forward Uh, we only have four more games left but b rob is about as spent as i've ever seen him Uh, tyreek's taking a beating with all of the responsibilities he's had and so our practice time is we always talk about keeping our gym at a high level we want the balls bouncing shoes to squeak and we got to get work done and, and when I when I hear and, and, and smell the gym I know the level of the gym and so we try to keep our gym at a high level without doing too much contact because we just can't risk anybody else getting hurt going forward and we got 10 guys hyphen eight <laughs> yeah. going forward we got a couple guys who are playing on fumes right now but what I've tried to tell our guys and have reminded them all year long if you're complaining about being tired and sore in April. How are you going to play in June? And that's something that the old heads taught me growing up. You you can't complain in April. You better take care of your body, get your medications, get your treatments, because if you really want to do something special, you're going to play sore, you're going to play hurt, but you're going to play in June, and that's what we all want to do someday. Thought to end on right there. Coach with us here in Oklahoma City tonight. Here's to a great game tomorrow night. Should be a lot of fun, I think. A real competitive game, I hope, for your ball club. It will be. It's a great environment to play in. Obviously, you're playing against two guys who are probably going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. A great team, well coached. Uh, Coach Brooks doesn't get enough for enough credit for what he's been able to do with that team. 
and um, I look forward to it. We want to compete at a high level, but we're going to win, and that's always been our plan. Coach, thanks. Thank you. So again, the Pelicans will be shorthanded tonight when they take on the powerful Thunder at 7. Then it's the Rockets tomorrow night, also at 7 o'clock. Both games can be found on the Pelicans Radio Network and on Fox Sports New Orleans. When we come back here on the Black and Blue Report, we'll wrap up our coverage from LSU's Pro Day and hear from Saints General Manager Mickey Loomis. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Thanks to the internet, anyone can get a show these days. Welcome back to our show today from Oklahoma City. Well, on Wednesday at LSU Pro Day, our entire NewOrleansSaints.com team was out in Baton Rouge for coverage of players working out, trying to impress scouts and NFL head coaches, but also to check in with Saints head coach Sean Payton, whom we heard from yesterday with John DeShazer, and also from Mickey Loomis, and I wanted to share that with you now. Mr. Loomis uh, shared some time with the media, and here's some of the things that he had to say on Wednesday in Baton Rouge. Keenan's got that one spot. Um, Seems like there's a lot of guys that you know pretty well. Yeah, look, you know, obviously Keenan played well a year ago, and, and we feel real good about, about him. Uh, you know, we got Patrick Robinson, and we feel good about mm-hmm. Corey White. We've got a lot of guys in our program, and yet, you know, here's an opportunity to add a veteran player that, that uh, man, he's been to 11 or 12 Pro Bowls, whatever he's been to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of institutional knowledge in, in this guy. Uh, as well as, you know, we think there's uh, some, some uh, you know, good play still left as well. Can you, uh, do you have to make any other moves to, to fit the contracts of Raphael and Champ? No, we're, you know, listen, obviously we're tight against the cap and, and uh, uh, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. I'm not saying that we're done, but, right. um, you know, we still have to sign draft picks and, and do all that business, so... We'll be able to get it all then. Just being able to make types of moves. I mean, you guys have been tied under the cap before a lot of years. Be able to make some of these significant moves. I mean, it's, I know it's challenging year in and year out, but has it been more challenging this year? Uh, no, I, I think it's kind of business as usual. Mm-hmm. You know, look, it's not just a, um, you know, it's not a process where all of a sudden there's somebody and you decide, hey, let's go do this. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have a, a short-term plan and a long-term plan, and, and uh you know, we come into each off season with, you know, 19 or 20 or 25 different things that we want to get accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, and you just kind of go down the checklist. And, and uh, obviously things come up that are unexpected and, you know, you have to react to those. But for the most part, it's, it's uh, 
you know, a plan and an execution of a plan. And so that's, so I would say it was kind of business as usual. How much um, of that checklist have you hit? We've hit a lot of it. We, you know, we always do, but we don't hit every item, mm-hmm. but we hit the, the uh, we hit almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Seems like you were prepared to move on at center. Um, without Brian De La Puente. Well, you know, listen, again, you know, when you have an unrestricted free agent, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but, but, uh, like, we'll, we'll, we have candidates, we'll have candidates for that, that position, and, and uh, we'll have a good competition, and, and we'll end up with a good player at that position. What do you like about, uh, you know, some prospects, say, receiver, uh, Beckham, Jarvis Landry, from what you've seen and what you, you know, scouts have yeah, well, you know, we're still in that evaluation process, mm-hmm. but obviously they're really good players. Yeah. You know, it's evident by the number of people here mm-hmm. uh, to see these guys and some of the other guys at LSU. LSU always has good players, and they're well coached. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm anxious to see how they do during this pro day. But, mm-hmm. but look, we've got evaluations on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to disclose what we think of, of every guy. Why not? But, but we think a lot of... of uh, of them and the other players here at LSU, and so um, you know we're out here in force. We've got most of our staff here, um, and so we're just looking forward to the day. I think what Zach Mettenberger does here today can be important since it's sort of a first look for him. Well, look, you know, he's dealt with an injury, he's rehabbing, so this is kind of his is coming out from that injury, and and uh, you know, obviously he's a good player, and I think every team has got their evaluations of his play. You know, in in the bank, so to speak. But you're you're anxious to see how he does. Uh, you know, at this pro day, and first you, time you out. You think an injury like that could, could he could still get drafted? Yeah, I mean, just absolutely. because yeah. of his long term yeah. potential. Absolutely. Most of these other guys, is there anything they can do to hurt or help themselves on a day like this? Well, you know, that, that that's a tough question. You know, I think every team looks at it a little differently. Um, it's just it's just another piece of information. I, I don't think it's make or break for anyone. Um, you know, unless there's something extreme that happens, but but uh, it's just another piece of information in the process, and and that's what we're here to gather. Mickey, have you determined what you're going to do on your training camp dates as far as going to West Virginia? Well, that that gets determined by when our first preseason game is, and so um, you know, as soon as as soon as we get that schedule, which I've heard may come out later today, um, then we'll be able to, you know get the timing of when we're going you know the date that we come back all those all those sorts of things we have a good idea but but uh um um but we're waiting for that that first uh game date do you anticipate playing a fifth preseason game some in any way no 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 you'll play four we'll play four yes so is it is it possible that you would just go up there for the start and stay through the first preseason game well you know, we we're going to be there for the first, basically the first half of our training camp, and then and then come back. The exact dates, you know, we'll get squared away here in the next few days, and and then we'll let you guys know what they are. Any kind of update uh, on the next big piece that's kind of lurking out there with Jimmy contract wise? No, there's no update. <laughs> when you, when you look at a guy like Jeremy Hill, who sends the letters out before the, the, the combine in Indianapolis, yeah. and. Some of the other things maybe you guys go through with a guy like Jeremy Hill, some of the questionings that y'all go through to the draft. Well, what are you asking me? I'm saying, like, for a guy like him to send a letter out like for the, yeah. for the NFL Combine, stuff like that. Well, just... uh, you know, obviously he felt there were some questions that were unanswered and, and uh, felt like he needed to address those. You know, he's a real good player. And, and uh, you know, again, we're still in that process of evaluation and determining where – 
you know, he might fit uh, for us just like every team is. And so this is another part of that of that process. Um, what would you say is the most rational, enlightened way to look at the Graham timeline situation? <laughs> well, when's training camp begin? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have an answer for that. Look, that's that's a two-way street. You know, you guys have been through this lots of times. Uh, you know, I think all of us would rather have things done sooner rather than later, but it didn't always happen that way. And and uh, um, so, you know, we'll, we'll keep going, keep at it, the process. Obviously, we want to have Jimmy Graham, you know, on our team when, when uh, uh, training camp begins, and I'm sure he wants to be with us. Um, but so we'll just keep keep plugging away at the process. He's got a great agent, and, and uh, you know, all of his people, they know what they're doing, so do we. Hopefully we'll come to a conclusion at some point. Is, is there any optimism of the... the the mid-April before. I look. I'm always. Deadline, I'm yeah. always optimistic. But is optimistic, that a deadline? That but no, there's no. There's no deadline up. here. Uh, um, you know, no. That that is an actual deadline, though. What for is? Where they would have to file a grievance by? I, I don't even know the answer to that. Know. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. You might have said something about this, but so far you guys seem to have done very well during free agency. I guess. Well, how would you grade what you guys have done? Oh, uh, I don't know. But, you know. So you guys are pretty well. Yeah, I don't know. That, that grading is, first of all, you know, that's an exercise in futility as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you don't know the results until after your season's over. And so we've got a long time before we can evaluate uh, the things that we've done. I, I stated earlier that each, each off season we have, you know, a list of things that we want to accomplish. And we've been able to do a lot of that. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And so... Um, you know, we're well into our off-season plan here. and We've got some more things to do, including the draft coming up. But, but uh, you know, I feel like, you know, we've executed our plan well. You know, whether that's a good plan or not remains to be seen, but we feel like it is. Would it be fair to say that you guys are may focus more on the offensive side of the ball during the, during the draft? No, that, that's, not, that's not fair at all. You know, our, our goal every year is to get to the draft and be able to select the best player, the best fit for our team, regardless of position. And uh, um, I don't know that, that I would say that we've got, you know, no holes, but, but I feel like we've got a good team and, and we're going to draft, we're going to draft, uh, uh, you know, the best player available to us uh, that fits for, for our club. So that's where we're at. All right. Our football talk continues here on this Friday when we check in with the Buffalo Bills and continue our NFL draft preview series right here on the Black and Blue Report, next. Every year, people whose statistics say would die from a serious health problem come to Auctioner and live. To us, nothing proves quality more than saving a life no one else could. In fact, on average, statistics say patients who come here are more likely to survive than at other hospitals in the state. Incredible outcomes aren't just happening at one hospital either. Seven of the top hospitals in the state for survival rates are Auctioner. We are also Louisiana's only hospital ranked by U.S. News & World Report in eight different specialties and number one in the country by care checks for liver transplant. It's no wonder people from all over the world come here. A higher quality of care. One more reason to choose Auctioner. And with hospitals and health centers all over the region, Connecting is as easy as finding the auctioner name. Learn more about why quality matters at auctionerquality.org. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. 
Back on the Black and Blue Report this Friday, our draft preview series continues as the NFL draft creeps closer and closer there in early May. We're up to the ninth pick now, and that means the Buffalo Bills. And uh, who better to get than Chris Brown? He's with the buffalobills.com team and, of course, on the Bills Radio Network. Chris, uh, good morning to you. Happy uh, happy draft preview time to you and the Bills. Yeah, it is that time of year. Good to be with you. Thanks. I think that we found uh, around the league, Chris, that the draft being pushed back to May 8th, 9th, and 10th has served everybody pretty well. What's the feeling up there about it in Buffalo? I think they just wanted to get here. Uh, I think these scouts are getting a little bit antsy. Uh, I know GM Doug Whaley wants to uh, get get this thing rolling and you know with the ninth pick uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see what falls off the board in front of them this team has talent chris uh, and so help us identify needs for the bills as they go into this thing well i i don't think there's any secret that uh, they're probably going to need some offensive tackle help uh you know they're starting right tackle eric pierce is entering the last year of his contract uh, they do have a tackle they took in the fourth round a few years ago in Chris Harrison, uh, who, if he's healthy, could certainly man the right tackle spot in the starting lineup if necessary. But he missed all of last year with a non-football illness situation. And it's rather unclear even at this point uh, as to where his career stands moving forward. So with that unknown, uh, you know, the the offensive tackle position probably has to be addressed here at some point in the draft, preferably on day one or two. Uh, nobody's ruling out the tight end position, even though they did re-sign Scott Chandler, their free agent, uh, this offseason. Uh, but it looks as though they want to get a little more athletic there. And so, you know, the name Eric Ebron has been floated around as a possibility at nine. And then, you know, wide receiver, depending on what's available. I don't think anybody believes Sammy Watkins is going to be there, but uh, if Mike Evans is on the board, I think he would certainly be an intriguing option, even though the Bills just this past week uh, traded for Mike Williams with Tampa Bay. You know, it's it's interesting. Are, are Bills fans antsy at this point? Do they need a sexy pick at number nine, or, or are they satisfied with, like you said, maybe a, a lineman need or something along those lines? I don't think Bills fans are any different than fans of any other NFL club. They want the sexy pick, of course. Uh, I think an offensive tackle often goes over like a lead balloon uh, just about anywhere in the NFL. They want the playmakers, the game breakers uh, added to their squad. And, you know, I, I certainly think you can make an argument for either, you know, that being wide receiver or offensive tackle, because both of those should help E.J. Manuel. And that's really the aim here for the Bills, to really provide E.J. with as many assets on the offensive side of the ball as they can. But as I mentioned, they've already added a receiver in Mike Williams. This is a deep draft at both receiver and offensive tackle. So arguably they could wait on either, uh, you know, if they choose one over the other and really not kill themselves at the other position if they want to address it in round two or three. Uh, That being said, me personally, I'd prefer to see them go for the tackle. Uh, This is a team that gave up 48 sacks last year, which was fourth most in the league. And as much as a receiver can – certainly help uh, EJ he can't make plays from his back so I wouldn't mind seeing one of the top three tackles come into this roster Chris if they get EJ some help on the offensive side of the football do they later in the draft try to address some defensive needs and what would those be yeah I mean I think the Bills have done pretty well this offseason in terms of addressing some of the defensive needs Uh, you know they bring in Corey Graham from Baltimore and sign him as a free agent a Buffalo native at that 
and it sounds as though he's going to potentially have a host of roles. I mean, he's probably going to be the third corner uh, on the outside, on the boundary there, behind Leotis McKelvin and Stephon Gilmore, the two incumbent starters. But it sounds as though he's also going to get a crack at the safety position left vacated by Jairus Bird, who, as you know, is now in New Orleans. So I think uh, that's a versatile guy that they feel can fill a role for them and a veteran as well. Uh, they signed Brandon Spikes, the linebacker uh, from New England, and also got Keith Rivers, another linebacker, who they envision as a potential three-down player to team up with Kiko Alonso in nickel and dime packages. So uh, it looks like you know linebacker was fortified at least from a starting capacity, but I could certainly see them adding another linebacker to kind of groom behind those veteran players, especially knowing Brandon Spikes only signed a one-year deal. I think they want to get some run stuffers here to help what was the 28th-ranked run defense. You know, and then you can never have enough corners. Uh, you know, and uh, on the defensive side, they did leave, lose uh, Alex Carrington to the St. Louis Rams in free agency, who was an up-and-coming player before a, a torn quadriceps injury last year. So they may look to add some depth on the defensive line as well. Chris Brown from BuffaloBills.com and the Bills Radio Network with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Chris, you mentioned Jarris Bird. For Saints fans listening to this podcast today, um, what do you think they should know about Jarris Bird that perhaps hasn't been written or talked about already? Uh, I think he's underrated as uh, a leader by example. He's certainly not going to be a vocal guy in the locker room, but I think he's a guy that uh, defensive players can certainly rally around. Uh, he clearly loves the game. Uh, and, you know, I think everybody knows his abilities as an interceptor. Uh, I think he really stands a good chance of thriving uh, in that New Orleans defense, and the reason why is he played in a very similar scheme up here in Buffalo last year. So I, I think he's going to be quick to grasp the scheme uh, because Mike Pettin's defense here is obviously very similar to what both the Ryans run. And I think with the pass rush that you know your Saints squad has, which is pretty formidable for having seen it last season uh, down there in the Dome, I think he's going to be afforded a, a multitude of opportunities to make plays on the football and I don't know if there's anybody uh, at, at better at being a deep center field, ball-hawking type player uh, than Jarrett. And, you know, teaming him up with Vaccaro is certainly going to make them one of the best safety tandems in the league this coming season. Chris, I have my own opinion about this, but I'm curious as to what yours is regarding how close the Bills are to taking a, a large step in the AFC. How close now? Uh, probably as close as they've been in a long time. I mean, they've tried to build this roster the right way through the draft uh, since Buddy Nix took over as GM in 2010, and they've been patient. Uh, it's been hard to be patient, especially for Bills fans here, knowing the team hasn't made the playoffs since 99. But I think they're as close to critical mass as they have been uh, since you know the Buddy Nix uh, era began in 2010, and then the torch was passed to Doug Whaley. It really is all going to come down to the progress that E.J. Manuel makes as a quarterback in his second year as a starter. Obviously, injuries uh, compromised his rookie season, and he only got 10 starts, but there were certainly some flashes and encouraging signs there, along with some growing pain. So I think if he really takes that next step, uh, this team could very easily uh, be a playoff contender in the AFC. Well, your opinion and mine are very close to each other, that's for sure. I think this is a dangerous team coming up here if they make the right moves here the rest of this offseason. Chris, as always, thank you very much. We'll look forward to seeing the Bills, of course, uh, this summer and into the fall. 
Uh, what are these rumors I'm hearing about Thanksgiving Day? Is that true? Uh, I don't know if uh, if the implication was the right way to go there. <laughs> I, I think that there's certainly a chance that they could play them on that date, but I haven't heard any uh, any convincing evidence, let's just say that, from from the sources in the league uh, that are out there that, you know, it's going to, in fact, come to pass. I think it's certainly on the wish list of a lot of people, and it wouldn't shock me if the television networks would like to see it, knowing it would be the first time that Bill's new defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, would return to the city where he coached as head coach of the Lions for five years. I mean, there's certainly some good storylines there, but whether that, in fact, comes to pass, you know, I, I think that's up to the schedule makers uh, up in New York, and, uh, you know, they've got a decision to make, certainly. I know uh, it's going to be probably an AFC East team, you know, against an NFC, you know, North team in the Detroit Lions, but, you know, I, I think just about everybody is, I mean, it's pretty much the Bills, it's pretty much the Bills and the Dolphins. I mean, those teams are going to play on the road at Detroit, so that's probably the decision. Yeah, I, I couldn't help myself, Chris. I'm sorry. I apologize. But that storyline you brought up with Schwartz, it, it just intrigues me, and I thought that'd be great, so... <laughs> I couldn't help myself. We'll see if the television networks went out with their billions. Yeah, that's true, too. Chris Brown with us from <laughs> BuffaloBills.com and the Bills Radio Network. Chris, it was great seeing you last fall, and I appreciate you coming on today. All right, you guys take care. Yep, Chris Brown with us. Here is our NFL Draft Preview Series continues on the Black and Blue Report. Dan Evans reporting live on the street for Newsbeat. People all across Louisiana are going crazy over getting their refund check. Reporter dude, I just got my refund check totally awesome. It seems a bit early to be getting a tax refund check, but wait, I just got word from the control room that refund check is a new scratch off from the lottery where you could win up to $4,000. You can get your refund check at any lottery retailer, but you must be at least 21 to purchase. Refund check from the lottery rocks. Dude. There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300, with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Make sure you keep your eyes on pelicans.com throughout the rest of the day. There may be some more news regarding the Pelicans uh, to be released by the team later on this afternoon. Uh, And, of course, you can also follow on Twitter, at Sean Kelly Live. And, of course, you can follow this show on Twitter, too, at Black Blue Report. So there may be some news prior to tipping off with the Thunder tonight in Oklahoma City. That'll pretty much do it for our show here from Oklahoma City on this Friday. Special thanks to Mickey Loomis today, Chris Brown from buffalobills.com, and, of course, Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio tonight as the Pelicans take on the Thunder and then tomorrow night when they visit the Houston Rockets, and then we're right back here on this podcast starting Monday afternoon. Again, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com.
Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.